välkomna till internationell författarscen. Jag heter Ida Linde. Och jag heter Athena Färrochsand. Och vi ansvarar för litteraturen på Kulturhuset Stadsteatern. Alldeles strax ska ni få höra den sydafrikanska författaren Marlene Faniker i samtal med Hanna Nordenhög. Varmt välkomna. Att skita en ädelfärdighet är en sak som är säker. Och en skitkorv är om något ett konstverk. Så sant honom Gud hjälpe. Somliga är akvareller av Sahara, solnedgångar och andra är statyer i parken. Men för att räknas som ett mästerverk måste skitkorven ta sig igenom hela tarmsystemet i ett stycke som en gobeläng. Ha en jämn yta och vara stramt vävd. Inte för ljus men inte heller för mörk. Så att alla färger gifter sig fint, men inte så mycket att det blir tråkigt. Sköra ljusa blommor som lyser mot fonden av gräs och den vita enhörningen som fromt vilar sitt horn i Madonnans famn. Treppi sitter och bläddrar i den gamla kalendern han hittade bland flatornas tidningar igår. Det finns en uppruten gitarr målad av en viss brack. Och en härjad snubbe med bandage runt huvudet. Det är en Van Gogh. Av Van Gogh som skar av sitt eget öra. Det står längst ner. Ja, han Van Gogh gick och brackade sig om örat. Udda fåglar har udda namn. Han föredrar den heliga djungfrun alla gånger. Med den gamla hornförsedda hästkraken. Allt i osynliga små stygn. Den ser åtminstone ut som något. Och det gör honom inget att de inte längre riktigt vet vem som gjort den. Om man frågar honom måste det ha varit en hel drös med nunnor som satt och sydde de där små blommorna tills tungan hängde utanför munnen på dem av trötthet. Och de började titta i kors efter att ha koncentrerat sig på alla små sömmar. Så att de efter ett tag började se i syne. Och det var då de började väva Guds moder i blå klänning. Och med den skumma lilla hästen ovanpå den blommiga gräsmattan. Mystiker kan inte vara så kinkiga. Inte de förstoppade heller. Det är ett kors och det är ett kall. Att skåda det som inte existerar. Och att krysta utan resultat. Båda är olika sätt att undkomma rivjärnet. Och det banar väg för hela skithus full av konst. Med Gud som hans vittne. Och världen är ett bevis på det. Varmt välkomna till internationell författarsin. Tackar, tackar. Idag har vi äran att välkomna på scen Marlene van Niekerk, sydafrikansk författare som också är professor i afrikansk och i holländsk litteratur. 
Hon började med att skriva poesi och noveller men blev känd för en svensk publik och hade sitt stora internationella genombrott med romanen Achat. Den bok som nu är på tapeten är Triumph. Utspelar sig 1994, samma år som det första valet efter Apartheids fall. Den är utgiven av Weiler förlag i en lysande översättning av Erik McQueen. I kväll så samtalar hon med författaren, översättaren och litteraturkritiken Hanna Nordenhök. Så, a big welcome to Malin van Niekerk and Hanna Nordenhök. Marlene, welcome. I'm so happy that we have the chance to meet again. We met in the book fair this week weekend uh, in Göteborg, and now we will have the chance to develop some of the thoughts we started to, to talk about there. Um, yes, it was very nice that Ida read exactly this little piece from Triumph. Uh, would you care to tell us a little bit about this piece? <coughs> yes, well, uh, when I wrote it, of course, I, I had a lot of fun. I laughed. And I was waiting for some giggles to come from the audience. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> but I didn't hear them, but I'm also deaf, so there might have been, <laughs> might have been some. Um, Treppi, uh, who is speaking here, is uh, the sort of makeshift philosopher of, uh, of the Bernardi family. And so um, he likes to embroider his wisdom on all kinds of topics. He's very interested in all kinds of offcuts and offsides and dark sides and so on. So naturally he'll be interested in excrement. Mm. Um, but it's a problem uh, because he's constipated most of the time and he uses that time for, just like Luther, for spiritual deepening. Mm. And, <laughs> so, so he sits there contemplating art, really, and um, the relief of a certain production. Mm. We know often artists, uh, like Gerhard Richter, say, say, uh, they, say um, they need to create the right conditions for nature to do her work. Mm. Uh, so when Richter goes with a squeegee and then starts uh, painting it over with another squeegee until, you know, nature has done its work, I think Treppi is busy with that kind mm. of art theory here. But that, I, I've written it in a long time, so you have now the gloss of about 40 years pouring yes. back into the book. So I don't know whether it's trustworthy. Yeah, <laughs> but it, that's very interesting. I mean, <clears throat> I mean... We should say that Treppi is one of the uh, family members of the Benadi family. Yes. Uh, they live in the area, uh, the neighborhood Triumph, yes. that is a, a, a white neighborhood yes. built on the remnants of uh, the black uh, neighborhood, Sofia Town. That's right. Uh, and uh, uh, in Johannesburg. Yes, that's right. Uh, and um, uh, they. It's a very strange, I mean, it's a very 
peculiar family. The, it's, it's pop, it's treppy, it's small, and it's Lambert. Yes. Uh, and uh, they form a very uh, peculiar unit. And, um, um, and, and everything takes place uh, just before the, the first elections yes. in 94. And yes. also this book came out Yes. 94. Yes. Um, how, did these, how did this family come to you? How did this char these characters come to you? Well, they came to me quite literally. Mm. They lived across the road. <laughs> <laughs> From a little house that was the cheapest house that I could buy. I started out in my career at the university and I really didn't have money. Mm. And then a relative died and left me a few thousand that I could put down as a deposit. And then the only house I could find that, was, that fitted my pocket was in Triomphe, mm. which I, of course, thought was a, a grim and strange thing to face for me, because Triomphe was a, ki a kind of place notorious for the apartheid politicians' uh, stupid policy of eradicating so-called black spots. Yeah. Now, the black spot concerned here was Sophia Town, which was a, a farm initially, where black people people had free-holding rights. Uh, it was a wonderfully vibrant um, um, suburb of uh, Joburg. Mm. With artists and writers. With and artists so yeah. and writers, and it was mixed. Mm. So uh, a lot of what happened culturally that was happening in Sophia Town. And then the story of the Nationalist Party came that they wanted to eradicate the black spots, of which Sophia Town was a, a one, there were many, of course, and District 6 in Cape Town was another one. Mm. They just came in there with bulldozers and raised the thing to the ground and they sent some trucks throwing people's belongings onto it and went and dumped them mm. somewhere out of the city. And then they erected a, a township for, um, for working, working class white uh, people on top of the ruins, mm. just like that. Yeah and had the gumption to name the suburb Triomphe, which was like, you know, how those people thought at the time. Um, anyhow, the name has changed back again after 94, to Town, um, which I don't know is right for the historical remembering. Maybe it should have been uh, Town, and then in brackets written in pink, in, in quoting Marx's triumph, mm. you know, so people understand there's, yeah. a, there's a something wrong with just going back and renaming it. Yes, because it's, I mean, it's powerful. Yeah. Um, so what, liter as a, what as a was the question? Uh, <laughs> uh, the question I don't remember, but that, that doesn't, it's not important. I, anyhow, the, <laughs> so uh, in 94, of course, uh, then we moved house and went to live there. And I felt as though I was on the cusp of history. Everybody mm. was extremely excited about mm. this new new um, era that is going to get burst in South Africa. Um, yeah, but, but this family is not really excited. No, 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 they're scared. They're scared and they're so talking about the north, to yes. go to the north. Yes, to, they want to, to go flee. to the north, yeah. yes. I don't think they've been able to go anywhere at all. Uh, people in that uh, in that uh, part of the population, are, I think many of them are still poor. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And also, I mean, this image of the of the erased uh, erased place 
Sophia Town and then this this colonial uh, building yeah. on top of it. It's a very very strong um, symbolic uh, yeah. figure, no? Uh, but there are many. Uh, you could say that there are many symbols in the in the in the um, symbols or metaphors of 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 uh, the the South African society in in the novel. Also, I mean, the family is a family that uh, you you follow their past from their parents yes. uh, and 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 the sort of corruption of the whole family because. Yes. Uh, they are living in a sort of lawless, uh, limitless uh, relationship with each yes. other. They are completely left out to each other. Yes. And also, uh, I mean, this character, Moll, the, the yes. only woman in the family, she is a character extremely exposed. Yes, she's to abused, she's abused, she's abused by, by, by her all brothers. Three, by all three men. Yeah, by all three men. Yeah. And, her and son. nobody knows, uh, and also her son. So uh, nobody knows who Lambert is the son of, whether it's no. of, he believes Treppi is his uncle, but Treppi might be his father. Mm. And, but they keep it a secret from him. Mm. He finds it out in the end and, and then, you know, he's in a state, in an existential crisis and say, no wonder I'm such a monster. Yeah. My buttocks are too high yeah. and I have knobbly toes. Mm. No wonder <laughs> they lied to me. So he breaks everything when he finds this out. Yeah, Lambert is sort of the monster created by a system almost. He, yes. It's like he is the product product of a completely perverted history. Yes. Yeah. He's also an artist. Mm. He paints. Yes, and he paints the the uh, he paints to to understand his own. Yeah. Life. Yes. Uh, he paints his history book. Yeah. He paints the Great Trek, which is a, something that happened in South African history when the Afrikaners at the Cape felt dissatisfied with a policy on the slaves of the English government, the English colonial government. So they loaded up their wag wagons and trekked into the North. Mm. Uh, so the North was always gone, away from the center of power. Mm and away mm. and uh, and this is what Lambert paints he paints a wagon and the mountains but then history is a bit his history is a bit cockeyed so all things get painted across each other mm. also his personal history mm. yes and he also paints a refrigerator yes uh. a, yes the, he has two arts the one art is the art of painting uh, history and also painting insects mm. um, in the place of pin-up girls' calendars that he mm. takes off, so he paints them. Um, and the other art is the art of um, fridge maintenance. Mm. And Which why fridge? Tell us about the, the, the role of the, the, the fridge in the family Benade. Situation. Well, it is an inherited art. Mm. They used to have a business, but the business, you know, mm. sort of didn't work out. Things exploded. Mm. And now there are, on, there are only two fridges left who, that are broken. And Treppi keeps the book, the Bible of fridge mending. He has the book. If, eventually, Lambert inherits the book. And it's a huge, big ritual of exam writing mm. that Treppi puts Lambert through in order to receive the book in the end. 
And Lambert has an aim with mending the fridges because they've promised him a girl for his birthday. Mm. He's a virgin. He's also an epileptic. Mm. He's a whole lot of things. Um, and then he wants to mend the fridges so he can open the fridge and tell this girl who is a prostitute that the, his uncle tells him that they've organized for him for his mm. birthday. He wants to open the fridge door and say, which dip would you like for your chip? Mm. <laughs> when we talk about this, I mean, it seems like it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very funny book in, in many, many ways. And also because it's so wild, it's so wildly written, uh, both wildly written and, and very uh, elaborate. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but I mean, it is also ex an extremely uh, brutal book. Uh, uh, and also to me, it's, it's a book, it's a grieving book. Uh, a what book? It's a grieving book. Yes, it is a it's, grieving it's, book. It's a book that, that grieves, um, uh, uh, well, a, a grotesque history and... Uh, yes. Uh, yes, That's So this true. is, so, so, I mean, the humor makes it sort of easier to, 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 uh, to stay in this very, I mean, it's a very dense book and it's a thick book and you, you, you live with it as a reader. Uh, and, and sometimes it's difficult to be inside of it because it is also a very brutal book. Uh, how, was, how was it to write it? Um, well, uh, at the risk of repeating myself, um, um, I started out on this book, it was my first novel. Mm -hmm. So it was um, also experimental and it came to me as a reaction um, uh, on a, a review written by some other critic about a collection of short stories that appeared before this novel. Mm -hmm. It was called The Woman Who Forgot Her Binoculars. Yes, you, you first you wrote two uh, poetry books yes, and, and then a short story then collection short and this story, then... And then this. Yeah. But the reaction on the short stories of this one critic was, it looks as though you've written them at work. So I decided, all right, okay, right, fine. Mm. So I just thought, um, <laughs> I'm going to write about the most difficult things there are to write about mm. in the most um, brutal, um, vernacular way that I can. Yeah. So the and language, also in that time, yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought, okay, Mind right. Um, we were promised that the world of the arts would open with 1994 election. So it was anticipating that. Mm. I thought, okay, now I'm going to kick this ball really hard and I'm going to write in an Afrikaans vernacular that is wild and it's going to be impossibly twisted and a kind of black humor. Mm. Because there's not a lot more that you can actually do. The South African history is extremely, extremely cruel. Mm. But I can't, I, I can't stay in it. I'm thinking of that book by, and I forgot the, the writer, Le Bien Veillant, the, what was it called, Hina, the, the French book? Ah, yes, uh, Littel. Yes, uh, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Jonathan Littel. I yeah. couldn't read that. I really couldn't no, read it. No, it's almost I, impossible I to read. I couldn't read it. Yeah. So there's a, a history of South Africa to be written like that. Mm. But I, no. Uh, even today you will find that the South Africans make jokes about the most terrible things. It's how they survive. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this was, in a way, a kind of hysterical reaction, a kind of yeah. reaction, yeah. you know, a, reaction. about the history and so on. So yes, I wrote it, and I saw to it that I was, um, that I myself became operated upon by the work. Mm. So if if I wasn't in a state of despair, or a state of hysterical laughter, mm. or if I wasn't crying. I, I thought, no, you know, I must rewrite until I am moved. Mm. What kept me in the mood was Penguin Cafe. Mm -hmm. the music of Penguin Cafe, especially, I think it was cut three or cut seven, I'm not sure. Mm. Which I just looped over and over and over again. Mm. And that kept me somehow in that sad kind of state or a state of mm. trance, more or less. Mm. But were you afraid? When you wrote it, or were you afraid when you were about to publish it? I definitely anticipated a lot of nonsense, mm. and it did come. It, it did come, yeah, yeah. Mm. It did come. I received about seven of these books defaced in my post box. Really? By people who felt offended. The lady who helped a white lady uh, of the elite who helped to design the South African, the new South African flag. Mm asked me in a very concerned way, why do we need a book like this now? So, <laughs> so yes. <laughs> so, anyhow. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it, took, it took it out of me. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, they are, they are very connected, these two books. Yes, they are connected. Uh, because I'm connected, hopefully, to myself. Many people, however, think that I'm mad. Because how can you write this and then that? <laughs> yeah. That is written yeah. in standard Afrikaans. Yeah. That is um, slightly elevated. Yeah. This is written in street language. Yes. That doesn't exist, by the way. I made it up. Yeah, you made it up. Uh, but it seems very, I mean, it seems very, you can feel it yeah. a lot. And through e Eric McQueen's translation also. Yes. Swedish translation. Yes, yes, really, yes. It really yes. has done something very beautiful with this. So yes, they are, they are similar in certain aspects, yeah. in that both books really, I think, are allegories about art. Mm. They just pretend to be about politics, mm. because otherwise nobody would read them. So, um, and the main characters um, share something. Mm. They both sit in the back room of their families, half exorcised mm. and crippled. Mm. One is an epileptic. Um, and the other one has a, a handicap on the yeah. one arm. Yeah. So they are both disfigured and they're both in the back room mm. and they both try to break down the master's house with the master's tools. Mm. Yes, but they also, I mean, when you say it's in standard Afrikaans, I mean, this book is also uh, a hat, I mean, First of all, they follow the apartheid uh, timeline. Yes, uh, I mean, Achat begins in the 40s and goes up to the 90s, and this one is in the 90s yes. when, yes. when apartheid falls and so yes. on. So even though you say it's about art, uh, of course, it's, it's also about this... Yeah. this um, yeah. Many people context. try to read the books exclusively as allegories of politics or allegories of the Afrikaner or allegories of power relationships. But I, I don't think it's only that. I, that's not what is. 
look part of them, but it's not yeah. all of them. Yeah, it's not. I'm, I'm more interested in uh, the historical to use the historical detail as material. Mm. So for me, you know, a painter has paints. Mm. And some of the paints carry a little bit of meaning, like red paint carries a meaning of red, green paint a meaning of cool, mm. but it's very shallow, the meanings. Mm. So the artist uses that material, but the problem with words is they're already pre-formed pre into meaning. Yeah. But they're still material. So you have to really pull hard to get them out of their ordinary meaning mm. into being materials that you do something else with. Mm. And, and and in this one, I mean, here's also a lot of, I mean, that you, it's sort of as a prose that it's, it's listening to, uh, it puts it, its ear to the, the discourses of, of, uh, of, uh, of a system. Yes. So it's, it's this, um, I mean, the, the uh, and also we should talk about the shifting perspective. Oh yes. Uh, in both of these books, because yes. I feel that's that's also very important. It's it's like a polyphonic um, structure almost yes. in both of the books. Would you catch? There are yes. Um, um, you, I just want to make a note just at this point. Um, um, I am at this point now commenting on my own work, uh, but I don't want to be understood as any kind of um, authority that is worth more than any other authority who is reading. I talk with hindsight as one kind of reading of these, mm. these things. Mm. So when I say stuff about it, you know, you can take it on face value, but, uh, you know, the, the gospel doesn't hang on it. Um, so there are four voices in here. Yeah. And there are also f four voices in, in a heart, yeah. but the, all the, of the four in a heart um, are actually Miller's voice, just in different um, modulations or yes. tones or something. Miller de Wet is the, the, yes. the, the, the white so, uh, yes. farmer uh, yes. wife uh, yes. that, that takes a, yes. a, a black girl yes. as a foster child. And the voice at some points is a hybrid one when Miller sort of voices or imagines the voice of a heart. But a heart never speaks. No. Miller speaks and imagines what a heart is likely going yes. to say or what a heart yes. is likely to say or wants to say. In a way, the whole book is her projections. On, yes, indeed. On, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a very important... Um, a very important point. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I wasn't here, but somebody somebody talked about uh, earlier today about uh, Damon Galgut, who yes. was talking about exactly this. Yes. The mute perspective, or how do you, or the projection? What 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 yes. can you say about yes. about who? Yes. What can you yeah. say about who? Is is a is a is a, um, a point of political. Um, an ethical or an ethical yeah. and political crisis at the same time, mm. um, and it is it is worse now than it ever was before, um, because of certain notions of um, um, writing only what you know, in other words, only from your own lived experience. Mm. Mm. So that this is, I think, because of the 
pressure to produce autobiography or truth or something with reference to the real world that is ha happening in prose during the last two, three decades. But it also has a political relevance because people feel you, you can't speak for other people. You have to speak from your place, mm -hmm. in your place, and everything else is nonsense. Mm -hmm. You have to reflect your position. Yes. Your power true. position, your, your class position, your skin color position, your, and you have to stick to that. But then how could I have written something about a woman with Lou Gehrig's disease? Or how can I make a poem about a stone? Mm. But it's, it's true. That's true. And I mean, that is true. And, and that we also have a discourse right now uh, that, that is concerned with these questions in different ways. But still, you made a choice with Achat. Yes, I made a choice. You did, you did make a choice, a literary, yes. ethical, political, whatever choice. I, I did make to, it, yes. To, to make her mute. Yes. So. It might it not a, stay like there that. There was a necessity for you to, yes. to do no, that. No, 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 yeah. I did choose it. At the time, I did. Mm. But there are ways to, to waylay it. Mm. Of course. There are ways to quote from newspapers, for instance. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, before when we were talking here um, outside, we were talking a little bit about the question of form, because... I mean, you started out as a poet, and and um, I mean, it's very, very. You feel very strong in your prose that it's 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 a very shimmering, uh, almost dance-like, feverish prose you write, and you feel the presence of of uh, this material relation with language that 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 a poet has. Uh, so, so, tell me about this connection. I mean, uh, um, for you. Yes, yes. Um, I think it's why these books became half impossible to write because um, there's a certain contraction and intensity that one wants in poetry. And then you start composing a thing like this and you, as I always say, you put on stitches on the knitting pens and you'd better see to it that you knit all the colors right through and compose the thing as a weft so that you don't have loose ends. So if you write a novel with so many stitches put on in the beginning, mm. it's quite difficult to, to keep the thing together if you have the, an ideal of a huge big poem in your head. Um, so and also, I mean, it's a very huge poem. This, I mean, it's <laughs> and, and also you you keep the intensity of language through. Yeah, it was quite a problem. Uh, but the funny thing about it was, it it also had very funny moments because, of course, problems with continuity. What color was that blanket again? That Lambert was it pink mm. or was it blue? Okay, and you have to because you forget. You can't keep this in your head as though you can keep a poem in your head. You have to check for continuity mistakes. Mm. Um, you know, of certain ways of speaking of the characters can't be confused. They have to speak in their own f format mm. and so on. Yes, so yeah, it was a big knitting. But how, how long did it take to write these books? This um, took about um, two and a half years and yeah, that thing went through eight revisions. Um, I, yeah, three, four years, four years, I mm. think. Yeah. Mm. 
but I mean, if it took two and a half years, I mean, because it's also it 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 came out in '94. It came out. So it's almost as if if you, when you were writing it, you were writing the future. Or I knew yeah. it should be out yeah. before, just before mm. April. It should be finished before it should be out by April, mm. um, 1994. So I was feeling like, you know. That the earth is moving under my feet, mm. um, um, you know. It was written in on the cusp of something mm. great happening in our country. Mm. Yeah, so it was quite a nervous business. Mm. And you sat in Triumph working. I sat on in Triumph. Yeah, in your yes, house and there. so of course, you know. I mean, I needed sometimes I needed more material. So I'll tell you something about this. Um, you know, um, Guy Fox uh, on the fifth of December. Yeah, yes. When everybody... It's very present okay. here. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> so I had a, a friendly writer, a friend of mine, who has now passed uh, away, um, Jean Horsen. And I said to Jean, would she come to Triumph, please, and help me? Uh, and I bought a, what do you call it? A cake tin uh, fireworks. So it's one of those that you, that you, you light, and different things pop out of it, big thing like this. So I bought this. And I said to Jean, would you please come and assist me? I want to get the Bernardis. It's, of course, not the right name. I want to get them out the house. Mm. I have to listen. I, I just need something more. So uh, Jean came, and she's not scared of anything. So we took this thing into the street, and we, and we lit the, the, the fuse. And then it didn't go off. <laughs> so Lambert, which was not his right name, came out. Bless their souls. If they hear me now, they'll probably want to hit me with something over my head. But anyhow, um, and he said, but I can light this for you. I just need some petrol. <laughs> so he wanted to siphon petrol from my Volkswagen. All this is, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, in the end, we did, I think we did get it lit in the end. But they were all out and I could listen carefully. So. But I didn't realize, Mariana, that that there really were uh, that that there really was a family, a, a real family that you yes. that you observed. Yes. Yeah. Yes, there was. Yeah. But of course, I mean, it's I was never I was never them. in the house. Everything that happened in the house, I imagined. Mm. Of course. Yeah. Uh, there were there were few things that did happen, like forcing his mother to mow the lawn. That did happen, mm. but. Yeah, I mean, that is not the real point. The real point no. is what happened in, you know, trying to text. F work out what, what was going on in that mm. house. Mm. And also, I mean, these characters, I mean, they are so um, absurd and grotesque in many ways, but they are also, I mean, you start loving them as a reader. Uh, you start care for them a lot, and they are so lonely. And I mean, this, I mean, these images of the of the childhood of Moll, Pop, and Treppy. Yes. When when Pop starts to ask his siblings to 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 give him pleasure. Yes, yes, yes. Sexually, and they and then they. Because they, they were hungry. This. They, they were, were hungry. hungry. It was hard he to says, get the he time says pass. that he will give the, yeah. uh, give yeah. them candy and so on. He, he will give them candy if they do that and so on. So he starts with that. But he's, and still he, he's not this, 
he's he's a very complex character because he's at at the same time as as he is the one who starts the whole this whole curse yes. that they have uh he is also a person that that has a lot of sadness yeah uh, he's a melancholic character he's not violent and, and, at and, all and no he's he's not violent but he is violent i mean he he's really violent yeah. but he's not uh, how shall i say expressive in his violence no. he's maybe violent in some very yeah. quiet way i mean lambert is a violent guy and treppi is psychologically the brute he's yes. like the devil yeah lambert is just the one who beats everything up and breaks everything and yeah. burns everything and treppi also gets beaten up by his father very yes. badly and this this marks him yes this marks uh, him forever 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 yeah, yeah. And, and the whole family it marks yeah. the whole family because yeah. also the father uh, yeah. certain things happen with we shouldn't i mean reveal everything about the book but but i mean uh you have also a way of of creating this i mean this this tenderness to these uh in many ways absurd and grotesque characters this tenderness and 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 i was thinking a lot about the dogs uh and the role the dogs play yeah. in the novel um yes the, the dogs are quite important because they are the only consolation available yeah. to more mm. But uh, the main aim with the with the how shall I say the ambiguity of the characters that on the one hand they an incestuous, crude lot. On the other hand, the reader starts feeling for them. Um, that is part of what one tries to do. You try to force the reader into a position where the reader can't make up his mind finally about the characters. Mm. You have to force the reader to stay interested, and not to be able to say, "Okay, I can get closure on how this character really is." Uh, so you you want to um, put the, the the reader into a roller coaster. Then it's up, then it's down. Um, but you have to bind the reader into sympathy with the character. So most of us have people that we both care for, for and and also you know have our reservations about so i just wanted to create an extreme of that that you you can't put them in a box mm. not one of them no no you can't and they are all in a way uh, lost children all of them yes they are lost children mm. yes yes the lost yeah. children and a result of a of a of a Of a, yeah, a historical yeah. a historical process. Yeah, and I didn't choose where they were, how they were born, and when they were born. Um, their grandparents came to the city and got uh, urbanized after incredible poverty after the the depression in 1913 in South Africa. The, the grandparents came to the city and um, tried to make a life and and got lost somehow. In a in a, in a in a in a yeah a state of unemployment, a state of social disintegration, a state of um, not being able to hold themselves together, mm. and yeah, the children come into the world like this mm. everywhere at the moment as well, mm. and they are they are sort of doomed to yeah to to each other. I mean, or to yeah. just. Uh, yeah 
be in this um, very enclosed strange universe. bubble. Yeah. Yes. Many people also wanted to say that it's a it's a symbol or a mm. metaphor of the Afrikaner nation. Um, sort of inbred culturally yes. and inbred culturally and very sort of limited in parochial ways of thinking and of small-minded differences and so forth and actually sort of digging their own grave mm. by, by not letting the world in. Mm. So yes, all of that is, I think... It also on the, on 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 the brink. I mean, I had to put in a portrait of myself and my then friend, mm. the dikes across the road. Yeah, I mean, they were the complete other to, yes. to the Bernardi family. Yes. So um, I did give Lambert something back. I mean, I did peep through a hole in the in the in the gate. Yeah, but at their goings on, but I allowed he yeah. allowed him to peep uh, through the gate with a pair of binoculars and uh, find out certain really juicy mm. details about the dyke's behaviour. Mm. Mm. So, <laughs> yes. so, you know, I mean, I tried to play fair. Mm. I mean, there was a certain yeah. debt to be solved. <laughs> yes, and there are many other characters. I mean, there, there are the, the, the Nationalist Party coming there and trying to make them... Uh, the family vote for them, and then you have, and then you have the the um, uh, Jehovah Witnesses. The the uh, how do you say it um, in English? The testifiers, the people testifiers, witnesses, yes. testifiers, exactly. Jehovah's Witnesses uh, coming there and also trying to to sort of win them over. Oh, the Jehovah's Everybody's Witnesses. Oh, those. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, of course, you know, I... I Everybody's I, trying to win them over. And, yes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and all of them create huge problems because um, Lambert gets a fit, I think, because yeah. he gets worked up seeing the Jehovah Witness yes. woman. Yes. It, she has something with her dress or something and he can't contain himself, so he gets an epileptic fit. And yeah. um, when the National Party canvases the, for the votes come... Uh, there's a huge accident with a with a bee nest. Mm. Yes, with a hive yes. under the house. Yes. So, yes. Very explosive. I mean, the, the sexuality of the of the novel is extremely explosive, and it's all, it's 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 also close to death. Yes. Uh, and especially through Lambert, that I mean, he he passes out. I mean, he yeah. he has his epileptic um, episodes. Uh, and so on, and 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 also being this sort of Frankenstein's monster of of, of the, the the political and historical situation. Yeah. Uh, and and um, all these images are very, very. Um, I mean, you are inside of this. Uh, of this wild uh, universe, universe. Um, but could you have written Achat without triumph? I mean, ha I mean, what do you feel about? I mean, was it? Is it? Yeah, this was practicing. You know, um, look, I, I think writing is a lot about. Um, it's about self-confidence and. Um, so I was also younger. You must understand I'm talking both these works are far in the yes. past. And as I told you back there, it's like 
zipping open very old body bags and peering inside, yeah. talking to you <laughs> about them, and thinking, what what have I committed, you know? And um, um, I killed it, and then yeah. published it, which means zipping it, because I can't change anything. So... <laughs> No, no. So both of these were written when I had the confidence to do that. Mm -hmm. Finish something, zip it up and say, okay, fine, it can go into the world mm -hmm. in a way, you know, be buried with other people on other people's graveyards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, because then we have, I mean, memorandum. Yes. That is your... 2006, it's also long yeah. ago. Yeah, Yes. it's also long ago, but it's very different in many ways. Mm, it has uh, themes that are, uh, I mean, it, that connects it to these two books, I, I feel. But it's still written in a, in a style that is different. Yes. Yes, the style is, is different. Um, it has a specific background to it. Um, um, my friend, the painter Adrian van Sale, commissioned the work with his paintings. Um, as it is, he was very ill at the time and he had just finished a series of paintings uh, about the hospital, which was hosp a hospital that he knew firsthand and took photographs of and then painted in a, a super realistic style, painted um, uh, paintings um, uh, in a series of 16 paintings. And then he asked me to write, uh, to write uh, a piece to go with it or a text to go with it. And it was really the most difficult thing in my entire life to do because here he was, he was dying, and I had to make good on the paintings that were already finished. He had already completed his series of paintings. And I had to come up with something to, to, to hold the paintings. Um, and so um, I decided on this strange story. In order to populate the paintings, because the paintings don't have any people in them. They are stark and clear hospitals, still lives. Only, for instance, here one can see traces of maybe a human thumb that has pressed a tube of, uh, yeah. of ointment, but there, there's nobody. Mm. So I thought, okay, let me populate this, um, this series of paintings with characters to bring, it, to bring some warmth into the paintings. And I thought the combination should then work like this. The paintings should remind the reader um, of the loneliness of dying and the loneliness of illness and the loneliness of suffering. Mm. And the story should console the paintings mm. with the story of human connection. Mm. So I think that that book is much better than these two. Also because somebody else partook in it. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a two-headed production. There are two authors there. And I did a kind, the first kind of ekphrastic novel that I wrote yeah, was yeah. Uh, with, with the paintings of Adrian van Sell. And somehow uh, we did make an, uh, an agreement beforehand that I will not treat the paintings as illustrations of a story. 
and uh, he, he, that we would write something sort of parallel mm. and that the reader should do the work um, and read the signs or the, 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 of the read the painting semiotically for certain signs that are also mentioned in the text but that the story should be parallel uh, a visual story and a verbal story mm. and that the, the synergy between the two should be sparked by the reader. Yeah, but it's, I mean, we talked... Sorry, I took a long time to no, explain no, that. No, 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 that's, that's very interesting. I mean, but it also, it's also, uh, it's, is, is it a really, I mean, you have uh, worked with ekphrasis and so on. You have also worked, translated. I yes. mean, translation is also a very, mm, it's a dialogue. Yes. It's a relation. Yes. Uh, uh, so, so do you find... Uh, the, the, the counterpart, I mean, to, to, to have somebody else with you, do you find that as a relief in, in writing? Mm. Did you feel alone when you write uh, you see, you these two? Yes, all kinds of stuff happens when you work with ekphrastic uh, methods because um, there's a kind of competition going on. Mm. The painter translates his experiences into into a certain form, then then you come and you want to translate a visual translation into a verbal translation. And you start competing with the painter for the biggest grasp on the reality mm. that was at the basis of it. Mm. So it's very interesting. In this case, it was extremely difficult because I visited my friend in hospital and saw him there utterly helpless. Um, and not understanding anymore. Mm. And um, so I had to also inhibit um, the, um, the mimetic rivalry for the real. I had to inhibit it and hold it in, in abeyance. Mm. And it's much easier to compete with a, with a dead painter, mm. like I did in two little books with, uh, with the yes. Dutch painters. Mm. Um, uh, you and know, also with a friend. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So yes. the, yeah, it was different with a friend who was a painter and still alive and suffering. Mm. Um, with with, and many uh, many translators will tell you it's better to translate dead authors because they always want to interfere with you. Yeah. So it's it's good that I don't understand Swedish at this point. I think because. All kinds of interesting things happen when people translate into English, which is my second language. Yes, of course. But I mean, you, then you, I you are talking in I'm a very generous way about uh, with, about your 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 translators, and and I, I feel that you have huge respect. Yes, I do. Uh, for their work. That you want them to. Yes. They must play. Be your rivals. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. No? Yes. I want yeah. them to. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not pleasure for me. No. No, that's that's very interesting. But we but sit I mean, there and we say, yes, that that what you did there was really right, mm. right? So when both like it, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a dialogue. It's and a, then when it's when the writer, f uh, when the translator sometimes feels uh, to appropriate the book is writing because he's he's now writing it. You see, then the, the writer starts thinking about, don't think too much now, you know, it was there before you started and so on. That kind of stuff happens. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Then one has to deal with it graciously.
But when you say that this one is be better than these two, I mean, I feel a little bit abandoned as a reader because what you have done with these two books is that you have, I mean, you really uh, take me as a reader in possession and you and you and you give me the opportunity to 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 enter a, a complete um, universe that really i mean takes hold of you completely mm. i mean both of these books are experiences of reading that are very um, strong and intense and uh, that is also i mean uh, a relation that is some people will say these books are like operas. Mm. Yes, uh, chorus. And, yes, uh, and this polyphonic. Know, yeah. Also, too much cream. Um, mm. And and, <laughs> and and that that memorandum is more cerebral. Yeah. And it doesn't allow the reader too much emotional transportation. You have to yes. stay with your head In with memorandum. Way. And you have to think. You also have to piece the story together yourself. Yes, because it has also the system of footnotes yes, and so on. Yes, so and it's, and it's a and so complex on. text that the reader has to really work quite hard with mm. to get it. Mm. Only after the third time of reading it. Mm. Whereas here, I offer the reader a lot of schmaltz, <laughs> you know, mm. to uh, bathe in. Yes. But that's how I think about it now. Yeah. I'm older now, so it was a bit young. Do you think you will enter into a, a project like this again? It depends on my back muscles. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> uh, I think it is Joseph Boyce who once said, excuse my German, I don't know whether I quoted correctly. Jeder Griff must ein Sitz haben. So every time you try to understand something, you have to sit on your buttocks. Mm. <laughs> yes, and also, yeah, <laughs> but it's also, they are both very physical books too, yes. so you really have to be grounded you in have your to body. Be, you have to have the, the hamstrings should be yeah. strong and you should exercise and you should, I really broke my back reading or doing a heart. Yes. It's really physically I almost imagine. impossible, I really suffered, mm. so one must be very fit, so I don't know whether I'm going to get, you know, the the instrument right mm. and also you know the what the repetitive strain injury yeah yes but what did you did you, do you write uh, this book i wrote by hand because yeah? i couldn't type by then ah mm. and then at night i pushed the written manuscript under the door of a friend who typed it out at really? work fantastic <laughs> And then I would get it at five o'clock in the afternoon, read wow. it, edit it, and he would rewrite it and get the next batch. Is this true? That's true. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> what, what, a, what a great friend. Yes. <laughs> a great friend. Mm. Yes. He was a secretary at the Department of Afrikaans and Dutch at the Witwatersrand University. Really? And I think he only uh, did this because the book is so dirty. You know, he was entertained yeah. enough yeah, to course. keep in, on. Of course, in his boring work, he has to... Yeah, yeah. wonderful. And, and the, but here you had... I could type. You could type. And I had to look after this because, yeah. And had you moved out of Triumph when you were writing this one? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, I lived there for about one, yeah, one year. Mm. 
maybe one and a half years. Mm. Um, I was living in a very, uh, how shall I say, a town that thinks too much of itself when I wrote that. You know, you wine yeah. and culture and listening to how the doors mm. creak because they uh, are full of historical significance. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, these books are very dense and they have so many layers to them. Uh, as you say, the, the political uh, dimension is only one dimension of many uh, and they are so rich. Uh, but still, of course, they really uh, have a strong relation. I mean, they, they really... Um, they really uh, do something with the, 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 the South African experience, if you say so, something like that. But do you think that as a South African writer, you can, you can escape this? Um, you can escape being political? Uh, and, and what is the relation between the political and the, the literary? Is there a relation mm. for you or... Do you oppose it or, yeah? You have difficult questions, Hannah. Um, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, d I don't know. Um, I, move, I moved away from South Africa in 2019. Still the first thing that I, um, that I look at in the mornings when I wake up, mm. I read News 24. Mm. I read the Daily Maverick. Then I read ENCA. Then I read Politics Web, then I read Africa is a Country, then I read uh, the latest articles of Carl von Holt on South African history, mm. uh, then I read uh, Ashil Mbembe's latest book, and so I carry on uh, being a South Africa, a South African, uh, by, uh, uh, you, you know, having been born there. Mm. Also, I have resistance to it, yeah. because it's a terribly difficult place to negotiate. Emotionally for me, yeah, it's been very difficult, especially the last sort of um, decade. Mm. From 2015, I would say, um, um, actually a little bit before that, actually when Zuma came into power by 2009, uh, till he was um, 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 voted out, of the party leadership uh, in 27, at the end of 2017. Those years were very, very difficult to negotiate because all kinds of developments happened in South African politics at the time. And um, whereas the Mbeki era was still quite open and more cosmopolitan in its views, um, the Zuma faction became very nationalistic and and you know there were a lot of developments that made people feel not at home anymore, um, white people. Um, that is why I think also a fellow writer Ivan Vladislavik in Göteborg at the at the book fair stressed that uh, that non-racialism is a value in the constitution of South Africa and it was the basis of Mandela's kind of message that one should be able to tolerate 
all kinds of differences and embrace the fact of differences. Now, we grew up, um, and people of my age grew up in South Africa um, under a, a nationalist government, a, actually a proto-fascist nat nationalist white government that tried to homogenize everything. And they called themselves we, and they talked about the unity and the power of the unity of the people. And they created culture out of blue sky and air, out of nothing that they sucked out of their thumb and German songbooks, right? Uh, so we had that, that's what I grew up with. And you, you had to be, you had to conform. And uh, there were words like Volksfremd. It meant, you know, if you just read Lady Chatterley's Lover, you were called Volksfremd, mm. to understand. Conservative and extremely autarkic. Mm. So when a new kind of nationalism arrives, people forget that it's still nationalism when it's liberation nationalism. People forget that it's still nationalism. And it has certain likenesses with the um, sort of um, idea of unity and sameness. So we have a, a tendency now in South Africa uh, that is very um, um, unfriendly towards anything that feels foreign. Even black people from the rest of Africa there's a xenophobic movement in South Africa called Operation Dudula, Operation Clean Up the Foreigners. People get burnt alive. People get stuck in the heart with a knife. So that is the atmosphere. Um, and there's a, there's a word like makwerekwere, which means, you know, you of the strange tongue. It's a kind of onomatopoeic word. So... When one sees these kind of developments, these kinds of, how shall I say, expressions of nationalism and exclusion, the old ghosts of white nationalism really arise in the background again. So it's very difficult, I think, for people in the north of Europe to understand uh, these kinds of um, shifts, or, or all of them. But um, as one of the topics at the Jutteburg Festival um, was, uh, what about the rainbow nation? That is, does it exist? Did it ever exist? And is it ever going to exist in South Africa? Mm. Remember when Desmond Tutu said, we are all in it together. And we have to tolerate each other's differences, each other's languages. We have to protect each other's differences. We have to cultivate with love, actually, each other's differences because we are a mixed kind of brood. Mm. And now, once again, one feels the pressure of, um, of, an, of a nationalist kind of drift towards closing the ranks and excluding others. Mm. Difficult. So, yeah, I don't know whether I'll be able to escape that no. business. Mm. No. Mm. Mm. What would you do? I can't answer that. Mm. Well, Lambert didn't move north. I'm here now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, now with this uh, with this uh, 
complex image of, of, of the situation, we should... Uh, end, because I've end. taken a lot of time. I feel you, you know, when you push that button, it will come out. But it's wonderful, it's wonderful. And I'm so happy for all the people that will have the chance to read this book, because it is uh, a real experience uh, to read it. And I loved Thank it so you. much. And it will soon come out. It hasn't come out yet, uh, but it's there in the shops and so on, but the, the, review, the review date is not yes. on yet. Yes, I, I hold my heart. Mm. You, you also have to hold your heart, All because right. I think, you know, there could be some re reaction. Maybe, mm. but it should be reactions, because mm. it's, a, it's a very <laughs> intense and strong novel. As I, I mean, I, I, I remember I wrote the, a review on this book when it came out. Now it's 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 many years ago now uh, here in Sweden yes. uh, that Achad came out, yes. and I was extremely uh, taken by it too. So Marlene, thank you so much for thank being you. here and talking to me. For an interesting conversation. Yeah. Safe hands. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>